What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. Among Tolkien's stories, there are these epic battles. When you think of the Lord of the Rings, you think of Helm's Deep or the Siege of Minas Tirith. But even more epic than those, I think, at least on a personal level, are some of these individual fights. These confrontations between mighty characters. And we get a number of them in the First Age. And although... In this scene, it doesn't specifically say that it was raining and storming out. I think... I think this, uh, setting will... will do it justice. Because... we're entering into a dark place. Out on a bridge. In front of the tower that Sauron has corrupted. And the dungeon... where the body of Finrod lays. With Baron at its side, mourning the death of a true friend. Someone who went to his very end in order to fulfill a promise that he made to his father. And in this moment, we have Luthien, who has finally located where Baron is, has finally broken free of the prisons we talked about, and the manipulation of the people around her. And has now come to this bridge with Huon, a lord among hounds, at her side. And in this moment, we get an example again of the power of Luthien and how it comes not from swords and spears, maces and axes, 
but it comes from her very spirit. She stands, other than Juan, a dog at her side, a lord among dogs. But she stands alone on this dark bridge in a very evil place and sings. told that Baron hears this song. It rings throughout this fortress, deep into the dungeons. And he responds with a song of his own that was made to praise the seven stars, the sickle of the Vala that Varda hung above the north as a sign for the fall of Morgoth. And all strength leaves him, and he falls down into darkness at Finrod's side. But Luthien hears this. She hears the response. And she sings again with even greater power, a challenge to Sauron himself. And we're told that the wolves of the island and the island itself trembles. Sauron hearing this smiles. We're told that he's in a black thought. And he realizes this voice is the daughter of Melian. And he thinks, if I can capture her and bring her to my master, to Morgoth, he will reward me greatly. And so he sends to the bridge a wolf to go capture her. And Huan, standing at Luthien's side, quickly and silently slays the wolf. Juan is a lord among dogs. I'm going to keep saying that because it is true. And Soren sends another and another and another. And time and time again, Juan stands at Luthien's side, protecting her, killing each of the wolves, tearing at their throats. So Soren ups the ante. He summons Drogluin. Drogluin is, as described in the book, a dread beast, old and evil, and lord and sire of the werewolves of Angband. We often get these descriptions of these progenitors of a terrible thing, a terrible group, like the father of the dragons. Or, if you've been watching The Rings of Power, we get to meet Adar, who is one of the original orcs or uruks that the other orcs came from the corrupted elf or one of the corrupted elves in this instance we get the father of the werewolves the sire of all of them a droglin 
and he heads over to the bridge in order to fight Juan. But again, Juan is not a pushover. He fights back, and Droglin cannot take Juan down. And so he retreats back to the tower, back to Sauron's side. And as he is dying and bleeding out, he tells his master, Juan is there. As if Juan's name is known in the land. As if Sauron himself should know. Like, hey, this Juan dog, Lord of Dogs, is not to be messed with. And he's the reason our our wolves keep on dying. And I'm also here dying next to you. So, uh... You need to you need to do something else about this, buddy. That's basically the the inference we get here. This is also similar to a lot of these old literature uh, stories like um, Beowulf, where all of a sudden you'll just have a character say a thing like Juan is there. And it's just to be assumed that like, oh, everyone knows what that means, even though we haven't gotten that previously. This is one of those kinds of situations. So we're told here that Sauron knew well, as did all in the land, the fate that was decreed for the Hound of Valinor. Like, this is a thing that everybody knows about. And it came into his thought that he himself would accomplish it. Therefore, he took upon himself the form of a werewolf and made himself the mightiest that had yet walked the world and came forth to win the passage of the bridge. So, this is another one of those mythological things. You send the little wolves out, they all die. You send Droglin out, the bigger one, he can't do it either. He comes back beaten and eventually dies as well. So Sauron puts on the guise of a werewolf, the greatest, bigger than Droglin, bigger than any of these, in order to go take out this character on the bridge. It's kind of got a Billy Goat's gruff kind of quality here, right? And he's horrific, we're told that so great was the horror of his approach that Juan leapt aside. That Juan himself, the one who is fending off all of these wolves and werewolves, has now leapt aside. That Sar- Sauron is just horrific. And Sauron springs upon Luthien. And his menace, this, the fell spirit from his eyes, the vapors from his breath are so much that she swoons. And in that moment, Juan recovers and jumps to her side, embraces with this horrific Sauron wolf creature in order to protect her. And the passage here is very interesting. It says, no wizardry nor spell, neither fang nor venom, nor devil's art, nor beast strength could overthrow Juan without forsaking his body utterly. And his body in this case is the whoever would be fighting against Huan. So Sauron himself in wolf form cannot beat Huan without losing his body, without the body itself being destroyed or killed. And we know Sauron's spirit is bigger and beyond just the physical form. It goes on, it says, ere his foul spirit left its dark house, Luthien came to him, ghost be sent, quaking back to Morgoth. And she said, there everlastingly thy naked self shall endure the torment of his scorn, pierced by his eyes, unless thou yield to me the mastery of thy tower. 
and Sauron yields. Basically, she says to him, like, we are winning this fight and you will lose your physical form and we will send you back a naked spirit to your master who does not forgive to be pierced by his gaze unless you give me control of this tower. And Sauron yields and Luthien takes control of the island Sauron leaves and in fact we're told that he immediately turns into a vampire the form of a vampire he goes from wolf like werewolf Sauron to vampire Sauron Uh, and it's explained as great as a dark cloud across the moon and he fled dripping blood from his throat upon the trees and then he came to Tarnufuin where he dwelt filling it with horror so he takes on this new location but He leaves, which, of course, kind of lifts this cloud of darkness from this island. And Luthien and Juan are able to cross over into the tower, open up the gates, and release all the prisoners. It says, Luthien stood upon the bridge and declared her power. And the spell was loosed that bound stone to stone, and the gates were thrown down, and the walls opened, and the pits laid bare, and many thralls and captives came forth in wonder and dismay, shielding their eyes against the pale moonlight, for they had lain long in the darkness of Sauron. But where was Baron? He didn't come forth out of this dungeon yet, so she has to search for him, and... Juan and Luthien find him in the very spot where he's been this whole time, mourning next to Finrod's body. And in fact, he's so deep in anguish here that he doesn't even hear them coming. And we get this touching moment. And fortunately, it doesn't go full like Romeo and Juliet here, but she thinks he's already dead. She puts her arms about him and falls into a dark forgetfulness is what what it's described as and then baron wakes up and comes out of this stupor that he's in and then she wakes up and realizes that like oh everything's okay now then we'd get this description of like the sun coming up over the hills for the first time it goes from this dark dark place and nighttime and the cloud covering that sauron has manifested into daybreak and a symbol that things are okay and so they decide to bury finrod finrod feligand on top of this island's largest hill because this was originally his island and his tower that sauron took from him and we get this moment here where and this happens a few times in the stories we're, we're going to talk about this in some future stories i won't spoil it right now but you have this idea that a great and noble and good character is buried in a location and the spirit of that character and the honor of that burial, I guess you could call it that, are, are so strong that they make this kind of magical moment, this magical place that nothing can intrude on, nothing will disturb it until the either end of the existence of that land or even greater than that sometimes the end of the world in some cases you have these burial locations that exist as islands even though the land around them was descended into the sea so after this we have baron and luthien 
going back into the wilderness. And we're told that winter falls on them. And yet, no matter wherever Luthien goes, flowers still bloom. She, she herself has this little girdle of melian around her in this kind of everlasting spring. And so the winter doesn't harm them. And Huan, who has been the goodest boy, goes back to Keligorm. And we're told that their love was less than before. Because if you remember, Keligorm was not a fan of helping Baron with his quest. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, here we are in the middle of the show, and I have to apologize for missing an episode last week. I was hit by a hurricane. Uh, I live in Florida. We get temperate weathers. We get beaches and all sorts of other niceties, but we also get hurricanes. And Hurricane Ian decided to come through. Um, I wasn't in the center of the storm. I was on one of the edges of the storm, but we still got like 70 plus mile per hour wind per hour winds. Did I say per hour? Per hour winds. And... Um, we had to, you know, lock down the house and we lost power for a number of days. Things were pretty uh, rough there for a little while, but I'm okay. Everybody's safe. Everything's fine. You know, we rebounded. We've been through this before, but it definitely, uh, threw my plans for podcast making a little bit, uh, askew. <laughs> we'll just say that. So, uh, I'm back. I'm sorry about missing a week, but I hope you guys are into this new episode. And in the meantime, I have a bunch, a bunch of new patrons to welcome aboard. Welcome to, okay, we're just going to try and get through this list as fast as we can. Uh, Brandy D, Joe MZ, Briar, uh, Lachlan B, Jared uh, K, Sam W, Christopher O, Gobi S, Randy R, Dan Z, Stephen V, Josh S, Ron S, Joe K, uh, and then <laughs> I have to scroll up to the next section here. Then we have uh, Laura G, Bonwin, which is kind of like Bronwyn. For, I don't know if that's a reference to the Rings of Power, but welcome aboard. Uh, Zeno M and Sandy M. Thank you to all of you who signed up in the last two weeks. This is what happens when I miss a week. Holy moly. Thank you to everybody. You guys, your support is amazing. This puts us at 83 patrons. And um, I also have to shout out our all access patrons. 
No, I'm sorry. Our, uh, our all access patrons are the second tier. The third tier are our VIP patrons. And that includes Brad C, Brandy D, Chris D, Esoteric Rage, and Larry. Thank you to all of you guys. You guys are amazing. I really do appreciate the support because I couldn't do this without you guys. So thanks for being here. And we've got some reviews that I have to read out as well. It's been a few weeks. I'm playing catch up. So let's go back to this one. Oh my gosh, there's so many. Maybe I should split this up. I'm never going to catch up. You guys are just too supportive. All right, I'll try and get through these as fast as I can. This one's from Bleffler612, who says, Fantastic, five stars, great podcast, everything is easy to take in, and the way he explains it makes me feel like I'm reading The Silmarillion again. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Then we have Julia R. from the U.S. Both of these are from the U.S. I love this podcast. Robots really breaks it down and makes it digestible and provides historical and cultural context for Tolkien and his work. Love the crossover with religious lore, if you will. Awesome. Thank you for that. And then we have Lukaroth 10 who writes nerdy commuter five stars also from from the US with the rings of power airing. I had a craving for more Lord of the Rings. I've I've always been fascinated with the lore of Lord of the Rings and this has hit the spot. Italian kiss Lord of the Rings introduced me to fantasy at a young age and opened my eyes to the depth of storytelling. Thanks for doing Tolkien a solid and putting this pot out there for us to enjoy. Nice work. Well, thank you so very much. Then we have Cadet Shepard from the U.S. who wrote Robots in Middle Earth. Robots, the host, does a great job explaining the lore of the Lord of the Rings series, The Hobbit, by going back to its origins in the Silmarillion. Fun anecdotes and simplicity make help to make connections with this fantasy world that many have come to love. Awesome. Thank you for that. Then we have Desert Chief. Desert? Desert. I think it's desert, not dessert. Desert Chief from the U.S., who uh, writes, my first review of anything ever, five stars. As the title states, I've never felt strongly enough about a podcast or really anything to leave a review. Robots Lord of the Rings Lorecast has changed all of that, though. Among my friends, I'm known as the Lord of the Rings nerd (laughs) that usually has all the answers. Robots Lorecast has a way of teaching the texts that have opened me up to new discoveries and new ideas and reawakened a quest for even deeper knowledge. I would and am uh, recommending to everyone I know. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Then we have C. Daniel 2 in the U.S. who writes, Great, earnest, and thorough five stars. I am by no means a Tolkien expert, but wanted uh, wanted a way to remind myself of the lore behind the series in preparation, both for the Rings of Power and reading The Hobbit with my son. That's awesome. For him, the first time. For me, the first time in 25 years. Tom is earnest and humble. Here you'll find none of the insufferable pretension that appears to have infected some of the Tolkien fan base. Yeah, tell me about it. Uh, And at the same time, humorous and incisive in making literary and cultural analysis of the works. I came to this podcast from the Elder Scrolls Lorecast and anticipate each new episode of the Lord of the Rings Lorecast anxiously each week. Awesome. And welcome from one of the other shows. I'm glad you're tuning into some of my other stuff. Then we have Ivory Goblin in the U.S. who writes, well-made podcast, five stars. Robots, this podcast is a wonderful recounting of the history of the world and its people. The detail and exposition are intriguing and fill my time with great imagery and connection. 
<laughs> I do feel some characters ahem, are portrayed in a less than favorable light. However, that is not your fault. I'd blame my father, Uluvatar, for making everyone so good and light loving. I think Sauron and I did some great work back in the day, but I digress. Please keep up the amazing work. Who knows? Perhaps one day I will twist and mold your podcast into something even more to my liking. Yours in darkness, Melkor. <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much for that one. Then we have Bilbo262 from the US who writes, I love this. If I could give this more than five stars, I would. This guy explains the whole Lord of the Rings lore in a way that is not just easy to understand, but very entertaining and enjoyable. Great work. Awesome. All right. Just a few more left. I promise. This one's from Japan from Okujuki, uh, Okuji, Okukuji, I think is the closest pronunciation I can do for that one. Uh, amazing. This is amazing. I've been looking for something to listen about the Silmarillion while working. I've been listening to the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings audiobook for like four times already in a month. So I really wanted to find out about the history of everything. Thank you so much. I really recommend this podcast and would follow you until you finish the whole thing. Awesome. Thank you for that. And then we have one from Australia. Get keen lads says it's dope. This podcast is dope. Keep it up, bruh. Shout out from Perth, Western Australia. Cheers. Awesome. And I didn't realize Australians use the, the phrase dope, but that's dope. Uh, and then we have one more. Joey Mo 304 in the US who writes amazing. One of the smoothest breakdowns of the lore. Very simple and to the point. Thank you to everybody. You guys are amazing. I'm going to go back to talking about the rest of this stuff on this episode so you don't have to listen to me ramble about other stuff. So here we go. So word spreads. Word gets back to Nargothrond and to Kelegorm and Kurufin, who are trying to be the leaders there now that Finrod has left, about Baron and Finrod and the party and how Baron was the only one who survived and Luthien and Huan came and saved them. And the people of Nargothrond have a, an interesting reaction. They basically, first of all, they, they lament the death of their king, Finrod Feligan. And then they turn on Kelegorm and Kurufin, and they say things like that a maiden had dared that which the sons of Feanor had not dared to do. Look at what Luthien has achieved, and yet the two of you sit here in Nargothrond, idling your time, Right. And because of this, many of the people believed that this was more of uh, it's described here as treachery rather than fear that guided Kelegorm and Kurufin, that they were just vying for power. They weren't actually trying to accomplish anything good. And so the the tides turn the the people of Nargothron basically turn on them and then they go to Orodrith. Finrod's brother and the people decide that he is going to lead Nargothrond. He, they, they release Kelegorm and Kurufin from their position. They're basically like, we can't trust you anymore. We're going back to the old ways and Orodreth is going to be our leader. So Kelegorm and Kurufin are put to shame and they take up their horses and they ride away like fire is what we're told. 
so that they might meet their kindred in the east. And they head north and uh, away from Nargothron because they have to you have to go north up up through the the continent in order to get up to some of the other areas that some of the other elves are still fighting the good fight against the forces of the north that are moving down. And we're told that not even a single one of the people of Nargothron will go with them. And we're specifically told here in the text, for all perceived that the curse lay heavily upon the brothers and that evil followed them. But there's a really interesting note here because nobody else goes with them, but they had other individuals and other kin even living in the city like Celebrimbor. You might recognize the name Celebrimbor. If you've been watching the Rings of Power, we've met him. He's been working with Elrond in order to construct something. And we know from the future of the way these things play out that he was instrumental in the making of the rings. Celebrimbor backs away, separates himself from the deeds of his father, Kerufin, and remains in Nargothrond. Interesting point. Put that one in your pocket. Hold on to it for later. We also find out that there is one individual who goes with Kelegorm, and that's Huan. Huan is still Kelegorm's faithful dog. And if Huan is anything, he's noble and he's faithful. And so he goes with his master and they head off to try to find where Madros now resides in the Himring. So Baron and Luthien are wandering through the woods and they finally make it to the forest of Brethel. This is now on the edges of Doriath. And Baron's vow is weighing on him at this point because he knows that he still has to try to get this Silmaril off of Morgoth's crown, but yet he wasn't even able to beat Sauron. So he decides, okay, this is still a treacherous thing. I will get Luthien back to Doriath and then I'm going to part again. I'm going to leave again. But we're told that she was not willing to be parted from him again. And she said, you must choose Baron between these two to relinquish the quest and your oath and seek a life of wandering upon the face of the earth or to hold to your word and challenge the power of darkness upon its throne. But on either road, I shall go with you and our doom shall be alike. This is about the closest you get to a marriage vow, I think, in much of Tolkien's work. This idea that she has now, and words are powerful, remember this. The things that these powerful elves especially say, they kind of will into existence. And she, in this moment, says, no matter which path you take, I am with you on it. I am not going back to Doriath. I will be with you through thick and thin. It sounds very much like a marriage vow without actually being a marriage vow. And in the spirit of the way these stories go, of course, while they're traveling through the forest and also Karagorm and Karufin are traveling through the forest, they run into each other. And the two brothers see them at a distance and they don't avoid them. They don't ride up next to them on their horses and make fun of them or or anything, they're pissed. <laughs> That's probably the best way to say it. They head directly toward them. Kelegorm heads towards Baron, 
with the purpose of writing him down, Kurofin swoops over to Luthien in order to steal her, in order to take her captive, and pulls her up to his saddle. We're told that both of these are good horsemen, and so this is a very difficult situation for Baron and Luthien to deal with. But then we're also told, and this is one of the most peculiar things in any of the stories, that Baron's leap is a thing that they will talk about forever. That this is something that he's going to be known for. Then Baron sprang from before Karagorm, full upon the speeding horse of Kurufin that had passed him. And the leap of Baron, and this is all in caps, is renowned among men and elves. He took Kurufin by the throat from behind and hurled him backwards, and they fell to the ground together. The horse reared and fell, but Luthien was flung aside and lay upon the grass. Then Baron throttled Kurufin, but death was near him, for Kelegorm rode upon him with a spear. In that hour, Huan forsook the service of Kelegorm and sprang upon him so that his horse swerved aside and would not approach Baron because of the terror of the great hound. Huan is loyal, but put in a situation like this, Huan knew that Baron and Luthien were the better of the two parties, that they were without blame. Kelegorm cursed both hound and horse, but Huan was unmoved. And then Luthien rising forbid the slaying of Kurufin, but Baron despoiled him of his gear and weapons and took his knife, sheathed by his side. Iron it would cleave as if it were green wood. Then Baron, lifting Kurufin, flung him from him and bade him walk now back to his noble kinsfolk, who might teach him to turn his valor to worthier use. Your horse, he said, I keep for the service of Luthien, and it may be accounted happy to be free of such a master. The writing is so good. So good. Then Kurufin cursed Baron under the sky and said, Go hence unto a swift and bitter death. And then they hop up on the same horse and ride off, and we're told that Baron turned away and took no heed of their words. And in this moment, Baron would have been done with them. This this is all fine. You guys are idiots. Like, this was just a scuffle, right? But they weren't done. Kurufin, we're told, is now full of shame and malice. He takes Kelogorm's bow off of him, and shoots back at them as they ride away. And the arrow was aimed at Luthien. But Huan, being the best boy, jumps up and catches it in his mouth. And then he shoots again. And this time, Baron springs in front of Luthien and gets hit in the chest with the arrow. Now, this next passage is, is awesome. It says... It is told that Huan pursued the sons of Feanor, and they fled in fear. Can you imagine this beast of a dog who used to be loyal to you, who took down Sauron, now chasing after you? And returning, he brought to Luthien a herb, or herb, 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 depends where you live, out of the forest. With that leaf, he staunched Baron's wound, and by her arts and by her love, she healed him. And thus at last, they returned to Doriath. Baron is wounded in the fight. She heals him. They go back to Doriath for a time because they know they can't just keep traveling on the road right now. They need to prepare for what's going to come. 
But Baron in this situation is is torn. We're told that he still feels this tension between his oath and his love. And he knows that Luthien will follow him anywhere, into whatever danger. He also knows that he needs to fulfill his oath. He needs to go after that Silmaril on Morgoth's crown. So knowing Luthien to be now safe, he arises one morning before the sun, and he goes to Huan and commits Huan to her care. Basically says, you've been a good boy, good dog. Watch over her. I need to go do something. And while she is still sleeping, and this is a little bit weird, we're told that elves don't need to sleep, but they can. In great anguish, he heads off to fulfill his promise. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.